What are you doing there? Oh, I just wanted to borrow your Bible, Frank. Well, since when are you interested in the Bible? I peeked at the end, Frank. The devil did it. Shut up! There are ladies present. Oh, sorry, baby. Major to you. Why, sorry, Major Baby. Do I understand that the priest of this outfit has just won a weekend with a nurse in Tokyo? It's a prayer come true. Yes, sir, you want to see me, sir? Yes. Let me say I want to see you before I see you. Yes, sir, you want to see me, sir? What do all these people want more than anything else? To go home or uh, Tokyo, whichever comes first. Hey guys, this is Kenny, and you're listening to the very first episode of MASH 4077 Podcast. With me, I have two of my buddies. We have Meds. Hello there. And we have our good friend, Al. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Good, good. Can you believe we're actually finally doing our first podcast? Oh, I know. It's crazy. So let me, I'm going to go over a little bit about myself. Um, I have podcasted prior to this. I do a Knights of the Guild podcast. I'm also working on another one called Epic Geek Out. And I've... Uh, I got into podcasting several years ago with, uh, actually, I think pretty much all of us started from the same area with Treks and Sci-Fi. Mm. Uh, we're, all, we're all members of that forum, and we all love that podcast, and, and it kind of just, you know, I would send in audio comments to that podcast. We started doing a role-playing game, which Meds was a part of, and we did a podcast for that called The Ready Room. That was my very first podcast, and then uh, from there, it just kind of ballooned into what it is now so now i'm doing three different podcasts and uh, i just i really enjoy uh podcasting as you all are aware uh how about you meds uh well yeah kenny the same i met you over on uh tracks in sci-fi and i did uh, some of the readings uh for the ready room which was uh got me into the the need to do more uh vocal work and audio acting uh, i then started up my own podcast which is uh Waffle on podcast uh, two years ago, which I can't believe it's uh, it's two years old. God knows where that's gone. And uh, I've uh, just started uh, doing the the Martians are here podcast, which I'm a writer for. And uh, yeah, it's, it seems to be in the blood. And now doing this Mash Four Seven Seven podcast, which is like a it's almost like a dream come true. Can you can you believe we get to talk about our favourite things and hope listeners enjoy it? It's just brilliant. It's crazy. I know. I know. How about you, Al? How did you get into this whole podcasting thing? Well, uh, same as you guys, I uh, I, I started uh, by actively participating in the Trex and Sci-Fi forum, and you know, like you guys, I love that that podcast. And uh, my wife and I, we one day we just decided, hey, let's let's do a podcast. And uh, you know, unfortunately, our favorite thing together is Disneyland. So we started the Tales from the Mouse House podcast, and uh, you know, we we really loved doing that. And then. Um, I uh, got the opportunity to do this show with you guys, and I just jumped on it. And then to uh, to make things even more crazy for me, uh, <laughs> like you, Kenny, I've started a third podcast that I'm in as well. Joyce and I and my wife, uh, we're going to be starting the uh, Fast Forward podcast, which is a podcast dedicated to the CBS show The Amazing Race. Yep, looking forward to that one. Now, why I decided to do a MASH podcast is, first of all, there's not a single MASH podcast out there, which I cannot believe that nobody else has done a MASH podcast because it's such a fantastic series. And initially, 
I was going to do this with my partner, Harry, but things didn't work out. And I was on the forums one day, and I was mentioning the MASHcast to uh, everyone out there. And I already knew Meds loved it. I already had planned to have Meds come on and do a segment for each of each of the podcasts. <laughs> he was going to do this really cool trivia segment. So he was already in the works. And then Al mentioned, he's like, I'm a huge fan of, of MASH. And I don't know, it just suddenly clicked. I'm like, oh, let's do a podcast, all three of us. And I don't know how it just kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> I mean, I've been working on Epic Geek Out for like months to get it going. MASH, is, even though it's been in the works for over a year, it all of a sudden, this last month, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. We had it up and running and, you know, websites and URLs and it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. I mean, do you remember when you first mentioned it? It was about a year ago. I actually recorded three segments for that and, uh, and sent it to you. I mean, that's how, yes. yeah, that's how long it's been in the works. That was a while ago. Yeah. That was a yeah. while ago, yeah. That's crazy. I want to talk a little bit about why we are doing this cast to begin with. Now, I was never a huge fan of MASH. Uh, I remember watching it. I was around when it uh, first aired. And, you know, that's sad to say. <laughs> and I do, I do remember watching it with my dad because he watched it all the time. But it was never something that I, I had to watch. It wasn't must-see TV for me. This was until I met my partner, Harry, and he is a huge MASH fan. And I purchased every DVD box set for him, all 11 seasons. And we wound up sitting down and watching it. And you just, you can watch like 13 episodes in one sitting. I mean, mm. it's just, you know, they're, they're quick 22-minute little bits. And I just totally fell in love with it. And so I went back and I watched it from the very beginning to the very end. And it took me probably about a summer to get through them all. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun, and, and I totally fell in love with it. I loved, fell in love with the characters and the actors and the stories, and it just there was something about it that that made it very special. So when it came to that, I wanted to do a podcast. This was definitely right up there uh, with a lot of other things I love. So, uh, how did you uh, come to it, Al? Well, um, kind of like you, Kenny. I mean, I think we're in the same you know age bracket here, but. Uh, I um, I remember years ago when it first started, uh, my father was a huge fan of the show. He had served in the military, but he was in World War II. And uh, it became something that he and I used to do together. We used to watch uh, the episodes, you know, when they first aired. And uh, I've, I've actually been hooked on the show probably since the very beginning. And uh, when it went off the air in, uh, was it 82, 83, I, I remember uh, being in high school, you know, senior in high school, and um, we were supposed to go out, big party and everything. And when that final episode aired, I actually canceled to stay home. Yes, the geek that I am. Uh, <laughs> I stayed home and, and I watched that. And, um, you know, not to uh, you know, do any spoilers or anything for anybody, but uh, it, was, it was a touching episode, the final episode. It was uh, like the end of an era for me. It was my childhood ending. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a fan since the beginning. Nice, nice. How about you, Meds? Uh, well, unlike uh, you two old geriatrics, um, <laughs> I was <laughs> I first I first saw this when I was about ten, so it was nineteen eighty three, and it used to be on Monday nights over here in England, and I always remember it because I used to go to Scouts on a Monday night, and I'd get home, and Moonlighting was on, and then after Moonlighting was Mash, <laughs> and I seem to remember though my my memory is slightly hazy that it was the towards the end of mash that i I started watching it 
Um, so it's a bit like, you know, who's, you, who's your first Doctor Who? Is it Tom Baker or Peter Davidson? Mine was like BJ, not Trapper. Um, so <laughs> so I, I kind of like loved it from then on. And I think it might have been because of the fact that my scout group was more army-ish. We used to shoot guns and everything. So it was like watching how I imagined our scout group should be. And I absolutely yeah. fell in love with it. And then watching reruns uh, of it, and I remember the last episode as well, which, which just blew my mind, and because I needed to watch it from the beginning. And I've just been an avid fan ever since. But the one thing that always annoyed me over here in England was that when they showed the, pro- uh, the programme again on uh, cable syndication, um, they would never play the last series. And I remember sitting with my flatmates and we'd watch them, it was on every night, and coming up to like the 11th series, and it would start again. And it was so annoying. And I thought, I need to buy these on DVD. And I ended up getting, obviously, engaged. And I bought my wife a very, very, very expensive engagement ring. And uh, for a present, (laughs) she bought me the massive box set. And I tell you what, that is is the best... That and Lung and My iPod is the best present I have ever had. And I've watched that box set throughout from Series 1 to the end literally four times and have started again because we were doing this podcast it's, it's just you know that's dedication and it's dedication because it's enjoyment yeah 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 that's great now obviously i don't have to ask you meds but who who's your favorite group of people because you know like mid-season or not even mid-season like after the third season the cast pretty much changed nilash trapper and um blake yeah so we had, so we got a new colonel and a new doctor mm-hmm. um now, do you do you prefer the earlier guys with Trapper and Hawkeye and Blake, or do you prefer Colonel Potter and BJ and Hawkeye? Uh, I, yeah, I prefer the later. Yeah. Do you think that's because there are so many more episodes of those guys? I think it's, again, like I said, I think it's because I thought I came into the series with BJ in it. Uh, the, the funny thing is, is that I actually uh, prefer, not so much prefer the whole thing, but I, one of my favorite characters is, is Charles. So yeah. I, I think it's almost more to when Charles came in it as well. I think when Charles came into it, the series was, for me anyway, uh, just, just awesome in every single episode. But, yeah, I'm going to have to say probably when, when BJ came in and Potter came in is, is my, my preference, I think. And as you say, that they, yeah. there are more episodes of those them in it. Yeah, that's true. And now how about with Frank and Winchester? So obviously you like Winchester more than Frank. I just think, I mean, Frank, obviously, you know, Larry Linville is awesome as Frank, and I can't take it away from him. But there's something so beautiful about Charles Everson Winchester III. He's so pompous, and his accent, I don't know if people from Boston sound like that. I, I've, I have met people from Boston. I don't think they do. But um, he's just he's just such a fun character, and uh, David Ogden Stiers must have had such a fantastic time playing him, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, how about you, Al? Which, uh, what, what group... Of people, do you like? Do you prefer to? Watch? Well, I I prefer the original group. Um, uh, and and uh, you know, I didn't really think about it until Meds just mentioned uh, why he preferred the later group. But it's probably because that's the group that I was first introduced to. Uh, there's something about the chemistry between the original group that that I thought was great. The the relationship between uh, Colonel Blake and Radar was I thought it was it was a great relationship. Um, I don't know if a lot of people really caught on to to the father and son type relationship that they had and uh just the way that they um they used to just rip on frank and margaret was just never i don't think that that was ever repeated in later in the later group um i i I know that there were a lot of reasons that uh the, uh the original group left but um you know 
I, I think that the original group was probably my favorite. So whenever the show is on in, in syndication here, uh, and I see the opening scenes and I see, you know, Wayne Rogers, I, I know that's going to be one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> now, so that, that would mean you prefer Frank over Winchester. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Frank was just, uh, you know, Winchester had his own, uh, his own qualities and uh, uh, later on he became kind of a reluctant good guy. But I think Frank, there was something about Frank. He had that um, uh, holier-than-thou attitude, but he was seriously flawed that uh, you, just, you just love him. You love the character, and and uh, Larry Linville, uh, like Med said, he he's a he was a great actor. He was a sweetheart of a guy in real life. Uh, people really loved him. Mm. Very cool. Now, see, I would have to side with Meds more is that I actually enjoyed the latter cast than than the than the than the first group of people, um, and I also liked Winchester more than Frank. Frank would Frank after a while got annoying, and I know why he left the series is because you know. You can only do so much with that character, mm. and uh, I, I I just I like the dynamic between Winchester, BJ, and uh, Hawkeye. Um, you know, it wasn't as I don't know. It was, it's hard to explain the, the 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 difference between those two or that those two groups. I enjoy them both, but you know, like like Al said, when he see when I see Harry Morgan's name come up, I smile because <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna love this episode. You know. I just I had something with Potter. I liked and I liked the interaction between um, Colonel Blake and and Radar. But I really liked Potter and and Radar together. To me, that was more like a grandfather, like you said, with you know, with Blake being a father mm-hmm. figure to him. Um, Potter was like the the you know the grandfather to the whole entire group of people, mm. and I, I just I like that aspect of it. Yeah, you know, and I I, I liked I did like Harry. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Colonel Potter. Uh, because he was he was like the um, the old reluctant ninja master, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, had, he, he was he was quiet, but when he needed to, he could pull out those ninja moves. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Very true. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about what people should expect for this podcast. We are going to be doing one episode per podcast, and we are going to go in order of air dates. If you've never seen MASH, they will be spoiler-filled. So, you know, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't seen <laughs> the series. So we are not going to have any kind of spoiler warnings. We will, whatever comes out, will come out about the series. The series has been on for quite some time. So I don't even know if there really are spoilers anymore for this series. And uh, we're also going to be doing some uh, mini-casts uh, on the show where we're going to focus on specific characters, maybe some specific actors. And uh, you go into depth on them. Yep. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, You know, this is an evolving podcast. So, you know, this is our very first one. We're trying it out. We're trying the style, the format. Uh, You know, if uh, if it works, great. If it doesn't, we'll tweak it as we go. So uh, we'll see how this one goes. Bad news from my wife. She still loves me. Would you believe this? She still thinks I got sent to Korea as part of some secret plot to cheat on her. All right, Meds, do you want to talk a little bit about the history of MASH? Yeah, well, the TV series is based on the, well, roughly 
uh, based on the novels written by H. Richard Hornberger. Uh, the, uh, he wrote under the pseudonym of Richard Hooker. Uh, unfortunate name. You'd think he'd have chose a, a better one than that. But <laughs> hey, you know, how to get noticed. Um, Hornberger uh, to Hooker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hornberger. Hornberger. Well, uh, that's even better. That rolls off the tongue of Hornberger. <laughs> Not corn. <laughs> no, let's look at that. Um, <laughs> now, uh, Robert Altman uh, directed the movie version, which was made a few years earlier, which, uh, of course, starred Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould, and uh, and uh, various other people. Uh, and uh, But Larry Gelbert developed the actual TV series. Um, one thing I, we do know, of course, about the uh, the film that Altman made was that the set was uh, the exact same. The uh, 20th Century Fox had left the set standing and, well, you know, how, how, yep. how luxury is that? You know, cheap TV series <laughs> straight away. Nice. Yeah, it's already pre-made, which is great. And I've been there, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, in later episodes. Yeah. Because even though the set's not there, there are still a few relics sitting around uh, that yeah. camp, which is really, really cool. And also, we will be doing a, a special minicast for the movie in the future. So look for that also. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the movie, the uh, the extremely popular and uh, well-known theme song from MASH was actually a song that was composed by Johnny Mandel. And uh, it was written, I believe it was especially written for the the film. The title of that song was Suicide is Painless, which is kind of an unfortunate title for a song. <laughs> uh, and there are actually lyrics to that song that were played in the film version. Yeah, we only get the instrumental in the TV series. but Yeah, uh, yeah. well, the lyrics were wrote yeah. by uh, uh, Robert Altman's son, I believe. That's right, yeah. 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 yeah very cool. of the things to be the pains that are withheld for me I realize and I can see that suicide is painless it brings on many changes and I can take or leave it if I please All right, so let's go ahead and get started with our very first episode. This one is titled Pilot. Nice and simple there. It was directed by Gene Reynolds and written by Larry Gilbert. Production code is J301. It originally aired on September 17th, 1972. And the whole series is set during the Korean War in the 1950s. Okay, well, plot summary for this episode, the opening episode, is uh, the Swamp's Korean houseboy, Ho-Jon, is accepted to attend school at Hawkeye's alma mater. Uh, The camp, though, has to raise money for him to go. It's $1,000 to send him there. Um, So, how do they do it? Well, they decide to have a raffle, and the uh, gorgeous nurse dish, and, well, her apt name, because she is a bit of a dish, uh, (laughs) is uh, is put up to win. So, it's a weekend in Tokyo, uh, along with nurse dish, and of course, he doesn't go down too well in the camp. Hot Lips, Houlihan, and Frank Burns are not happy at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're ever happy. No, no they're no. not. <laughs> unless, unless they're rubbing each other's feet. Ooh. Oh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> now, the main cast for this episode was uh, played by uh, Alan Alda as, of course, Benjamin Hawkeye, Franklin Pierce. Wayne Rogers played uh, John Francis Xavier Trapper McIntyre. A lot of names here. For one no. person there. <laughs> McLean Stevenson played uh, Henry Braymore Blake. 
Larry Linville as the nefarious Franklin Marion Frank Burns. Gary Berghoff was our beloved Walter Eugene Radar O'Reilly. And Loretta Swit as the indomitable Margaret Hotlips Houlihan. There was also some very notable guest stars. First one was Karen Phillip as Lieutenant Dish. Karen had a recurring role on Quincy. And uh, Patrick Adiart, apologies, Patrick, if I said your name wrong, uh, was Hojan, and one of Patrick's first roles was in the uh, brilliant film The King and I. Hmm. And the, yes. uh, the late actor Bruno Kirby is in this episode. Uh, he had just a brief part at the beginning, and then he was in uh, a little bit later on. And uh, obviously this was before he became the famous person that he was, as he was uh, credited in the, in the first episode there as B. Kirby Jr. Pretty interesting. Nice. Now, what did, what did Kirby do? I'm not really familiar with him. Well, he was, uh, he was a bit of a character actor, really. Um, never really a you know, leading type person, but he's best known for his role as um, Billy Crystal's friend in the uh, City Slickers movies. Oh, and he that's was, right. Yeah, okay. and he was also in uh, When Harry Met Sally. That's right. I know. Yeah. I picture his face now. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. I didn't know he passed away. Yeah, he passed away a few years ago. Hmm. Next up, we have G. Wood as General Hammond. His actual name is George Wood. He was one of the four actors to appear in both the film and the TV series. Mm. And the other person to act in that, uh, in the film and the TV series is Timothy Brown. Uh, he played Dr. Oliver Harmon. Uh, insert a hopefully not racist uh, line, <laughs> Spear Chucker uh, Jones. Uh, yeah, that's a question that he was uh, in the film and the TV series as well. Yeah, but do you know why they called him Spear Chucker? Is because he yeah, was a javelin thrower. Oh, I thought he was right. a quarterback. No, yeah, he was well, a, that, yeah, javelin. He was thrower. a javelin thrower. Yeah, so that's even that's worse. why a Spear Chucker. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, one of the interesting things about this first episode is that uh, Father Mulcahy was actually played by a different actor, uh, not the one that everybody came to know and love. Uh, the original Father John Patrick Francis Mulcahy was actually played by an actor by the name of George Morgan. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. how uh, it was a different character. And actually, you know, uh, Rene Aubergeois played Father Mulcahy in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's Odo from yeah. Deep Space Nine. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we're all geeks here, so we'll be getting Star, <laughs> Star Trek, Star Wars references along the way here. Uh, next up, we have John Orchard as Captain Ugly John Black. John is I like John is English and was yeah, born yeah. in London. <laughs> yeah, it's right, it's right right applause for John. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about our thoughts on this episode. Uh, do you want to start us off, Al? Sure, sure. Uh, I thought this episode was uh, was pretty interesting because, you know, I mean, it, it set the tone for the series. Really, um, I first of all, I loved the 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 aerial shots that they seem to use a lot of in this uh, episode. I don't really think that they did it a lot throughout the entire series, but they used a lot of aerial shots, uh, at least in this first episode, which you know it gives you the feel uh, that you're there. You know, it kind of gives you the overlook of of the war. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I really do think that that was uh, one of the charming things about at least this episode. Um, this is the very first time we get to see all of the famous uh, opening sequences to MASH that we would later see in the, you know, the, the title sequence. Uh, at the very beginning of this episode, you know, they show uh, all the little segments like, uh, you know, where we see the famous uh, scene with Radar 
you know, you see the shot over his shoulder as the helicopters are coming in. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. And one of the neat things that I thought about this uh, episode was it set the entire tension and the conflict thing between Hawkeye and Trapper and Frank and Margaret. Um, we got to see a lot of things without actually being told. Does that make any sense? I mean, mm. um, no, definitely. Yeah, uh, the yeah. teasing that that we see Hawkeye and Trapper inflict on uh, Frank is just it's it's awesome. Um, we also get to learn uh, for the first time Radar's very unique skill of knowing things before they actually happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they ever really explained that, uh, did they? But. No, I think I think Potter asks him in later episodes, asks him why they call him Rayar, and it's because he's he 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 says that he's he can sense things before they happen. Right. So, so I guess it was just one of those uh, you know supernatural gifts. Ooh, there we go with the geek stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I you know like unlike a lot of TV shows, when you watch the very first episode of something, you know, it's, you, you're usually left with hmm, it was interesting, but I'm not sure. Uh, for me, MASH, you know, this very first episode of MASH was, it hooked me from the beginning. I, You know, you fall in love with the characters right away. They did a great job of writing and a great job of delivering. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, I also like the aerial shots. And they did it, you know, one, to establish the area, you know, where everything's at. And, and aerial shots are expensive, so I can understand why we didn't get them, you know, a lot, all mm-hmm. the time. Um and it is cool to see the sequence from the opening because you see this, you see the opening so many times and it's so familiar to actually see the the extended, you know, where it all got cut from, which is really really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree that you know they had to establish these characters so quickly because I mean they had to assume that you never saw the film, that so you didn't know who these people were, you never read the books, and they had twenty two minutes to to tell who each of the main characters were, their interaction with each other, and I think they they did it flawlessly. It was it was just so fantastic. And you know, I'm a huge radar fan. So anything with radar, you know, is 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 great to me. I mean he's probably one of my favorite characters. Oh mine too. Yeah. And, you know, I did enjoy his interaction with with Blake. Uh, you know, as Al previously mentioned, they had that father-son relationship, and that was always nice. And it was just—it was a fun episode. Um, you know, it, it, yeah. I mean, like I mean, Al pretty much said everything. Uh, you know, it was fun. You know, you see the little, uh, you know, Trapper and and Hawkeye. You see how close they are, and what kind of jokesters they are. And you know, I mean, even the whole setup to to get the money for their houseboy, you know, was all rigged. Mm. You know, and you know the the fact that they 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 stuck a sticker, you know the the <laughs> winning ticket to the bottom of the bucket, so they knew exactly which one they were going to pull, you know, and who the winner was going to be, which I thought was hilarious. That you know, Father Mulcahy wins yeah. uh, a trip with with Nurse Dish. Uh, another thing is the 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 you know they used to name the the nurses kind of kooky names because they were just like one offs, you know. Yeah. They weren't really main characters, so you had those kind of crazy names. And, uh, of course, I can't think of any at the moment, but I have a big, long list of them. Uh, <laughs> of the crazy of the crazy names that they would just come up with. You know, because, you know, you don't really need... Even, you know, Nurse Kelly, who became a regular character, she yeah. was a different nurse at the beginning. Because uh, she was just a one-off, you know. And they didn't expect her to stay on and be in, you know, the entire series. Mm-hmm. To the, so you don't, you don't give a name for that reason. Uh, but uh, it was overall it was a, it was a it was a great beginning 
to the series. I think it established it did what it had to do, and that was important. Right, it was uh, a very strong opening. Yeah, 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 very much so. How about you, Mad? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with all you. The um, the, the thing that interested me, uh, going back and as I say, I watched it again earlier on. Is it's it's funny when you watch the opening because you say we've got the full opening um, throughout the series of Mash. I think if I'm right, there's about seven different openings and five different theme tunes um, throughout the whole of the the series. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a cool little website as we all do our research, which is dedicated to the opening of each series of Mash. I think uh, series one and two are roughly the same, but then after that, you get slightly speeded up versions. Slightly more bass on one, um, slightly more um, piano on a certain one, and then you've also, of course, as the series goes on, uh, we've characters leaving, like when Radar leaves, um, mm-hmm. that shot's totally cut out. And the second episode of Mash, um, Nurse Dish, who originally on the first one you see see her over Hawkeye's shoulder, um, isn't there. Um, because obviously they, they don't turn up or they're not in it again. Um, so yeah. there's always subtle differences, and that's dedication to actually go and watch all that. Um, as we, <laughs> that as we said, crazy. Yeah, as, I mean, as we said about George Morgan being uh, Father Mulcahy, he actually does, he's the, one of the only ones who appear with Hawkeye throughout the whole series on that opening because you see him take his hat off and run over. Um, so he's always in MASH, which is you know, a bit of a weird thing. I like the fact that it's also a bit of a Dear Dad episode, this is. Um, and MASH fans will also know that Hawkeye always writes to his father and mm-hmm. to introduce him to this series he actually says dear dad Hawkeye here now mm-hmm. obviously you, you never do that when you write a letter you don't write home to your parents to say you know hi dad <laughs> Simon here because he knows it's come from you because <laughs> you write at home so it's, it's one of those subtle ways of doing it there are, there are a few things at the beginning of this episode and as, as we say we, we don't nitpick stuff but um you know, when you're seeing what the camp's like, I remember Robert Altman saying that he dis, dis, he absolutely hated uh, the TV series to start off with because he was just all seemed to be all humour instead of what war's all about, which of course is what the film was. And mm-hmm. you see that by you know uh, Blake and the nurse. It looks to start off with that in some kind of surgery, but as it turns out, that he's popping a champagne cork. There's several uh, scenes of people coming, you know, a, a man and a woman coming out of a shower tent, and I, that's in one particular scene I can't stand because. The guy kind of act to save his life. Sorry, whoever you are, but it just comes out. It looks a bit too shifty, and you think, "Yeah, you know what you're doing." <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but when, when you get to the, the sudden impact of how you've got Hawk and you've got Trapper, and they've got that fantastic connection together, Spearchuckers, you know, he's there, but it's not really noticed. But then you've got Frank and you've got Margaret, who you know, one's so army it's unbelievable. She's sitting there reading this army book, and then on the opposite side of the table, you've got Frank reading his Bible, and yeah. underneath the t- underneath his table, there they are playing footsie with each other. Yet they're so hard ass throughout the whole of this series. And and Blake and Radar. An interesting thing, Kenny. You said that you're, you're a Radar fan. With this, the first series, Radar is is actually so intelligent because he's he's a little bit sneaky. He gets uh, you know um, the box of cigars for the uh, for the um, is it the major the colonel sir? Uh, uh, General he, Hammond. Yeah, or, I'm General sorry, Hammond. General he's Barker. Got the, yeah, he's got the cigars already for him. Uh, he already gets the the passes when uh, Blake's gone off in the helicopter, and he's he's really intelligent. He's a bit a bit quick witted. Yet later on, they they almost turn him into a bit of a village idiot he can't you know he doesn't drink alcohol later on yet he does uh, first series did, did that bother you kenny being being a big radar fan you know it 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 did i don't think he became i don't i think they i don't want to say they dumbed him down but i don't think it it changed uh, he still was he still was quick with it he still well he still worked the deals and mm-hmm. that's what i liked about him 
Um, maybe he wasn't as, and maybe because I watched this all out of sequence initially yeah. when I first saw it, so I didn't see the you know I to him he's always the cute radar the you know the bumbling lovable radar that I've always liked. Uh, I don't think I would have to pay more attention to notice the subtle differences, and I don't think they were big no. I don't think they were that noticeable. Did you think they were noticeable, Al? Well, um, sort of, um, but I, I I don't think that they. Uh, no offense, Mads, but I don't think that they dumbed him down or anything. I think what they did was they made him more naive. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably you know, the To make him more lovable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, in the beginning, especially in that first episode, he was he was the quintessential company clerk, you know, in war, who had to uh, to wheel and deal to get things done. And then later on, he was still that wheeler and dealer, but he was a little more, you know, the teddy bear hugging naive kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it was an attempt to, uh, uh, you know, to, to take your attention away from the fact that he was physically aging. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the war didn't last 20 years. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they just, maybe they just didn't want you to see the, the fact that he was getting older. That's interesting. I never, now I'm going to go back and watch it again and, and <laughs> yeah. see if I can see the subtleties. Because well, honestly, well, I, I mean, I, saw, I know what you're talking about. That they did mm-hmm. definitely make it, made him more naive. Yeah, I think, I think naive is actually yeah, a good one, Al, because I think naive is, is probably the better word. And there's an episode that sticks out in that, and it, it's much later on where uh, Hawk, I can't quite remember, obviously, because we'll talk about it later, later on, but he, he does something. I think he was drunk, and he was hungover, and he didn't do a very good job. And, and Radar accuses him of letting everyone down, and Hawk goes absolutely mad at him. And, and that's the episode, because he acted like it's a good episode, and, and, and Radar needed to do it. But he almost came across as being slightly childish and sort of like, oh, grow up. Yet that's not the character in this first episode. In this first episode, Vader, as you say, is the ultimate company clerk. He knows the ins and outs of army life. He can get this, he can get that. And and you need to, you know, he's got something a little bit more about in there. But as I, anyway, it's, it's, it's character development. I mean, we're looking a hell of a much later yeah. on, but yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Because anything else on this episode? Yeah, there's one thing when you notice, and I notice it more on the DVDs. I don't think you would notice it on... Um, the TV series, especially as if the TV series is played weekly, um, there's something I called the uh, dirty van syndrome. Right, and this is <laughs> this might sound a bit weird, but at the opening when you see the ambulance come in, uh, it's a real clean shot. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful clean shot of the ambulance. Yet the second episode, it's a really dirty shot. It's yes. a really terrible shot, and this this happens all the way through the series of Mash. And I think, how does that work? I mean, Kenny, you you work in TV. How what's yeah. going on there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing I think of is the because it's 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 all shot on film that the film negative got scratched because it looks really bad. Unless they were doing for an aesthetic, you know, an aesthetics look, but it's mm. it's so it is jarring because I notice it every single time. Yeah, I'm like they really need to clean that shot up. I mean, I don't know why it looks so bad. Uh, I never noticed it that it was ever clean. So you're saying there is a clean version of it? Yeah, in the pilot episode, it's clean. See, that's crazy because you think they would just be able to use that shot again. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and maybe it was a it was a conscious effort, you know, a thought to to make yeah, it look maybe. dirty, to make it look more rugged, right? You know? To give it that um, documentary feel to it. Yeah. yeah, it's just weird that they would just do that one shot. Yeah, and easy <laughs> because it, it really shot. is just that one shot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of crazy. You're both a disgrace to this outfit. Oh, come on, Frank. We've all had twelve straight hours of meatball surgery in there. My brain is sending me urgent rest telegrams. You must be tired, too, after all that malpractice you put in. 
You're dismissed. Thanks, Mother. We got to get up early anyway and fix MacArthur's hernia. Come on, Mary. All right, let's move on to some really interesting little, what we're calling behind-the-scenes information. These are, some of them will be nitpicky. Some will be just interesting facts that we found out about this episode. So, uh, Med, you want to start us off? Yeah, well, of course, as we mentioned earlier on about Father Mulcahy, played by George Morgan, um, I briefly brought it up about the fact that you do see him at the opening uh, episode in, in virtually... Every episode of MASH where you've got the standard issue opening with the helicopter coming in and Hawkeye coming up to the um, to the patient. You see uh, the nurses and everything like that. In fact, I think Lieutenant Dish is there, but you always see George Morgan because he's the last person on the left-hand side on Hawkeye's line. He's bending down, he takes his hat off, and you can see him. So although George Morgan is only in the pilot episode, uh, he is in every single opening title, um, title scene in MASH. George Morgan didn't seem to act much after this episode uh, I did a little bit of research on to try and find uh, uh, some info the only thing I could find that he's actually writes um, books now uh, non-fiction books uh, about historical religious um, uh, happenings um, I, mainly involving Roman times I believe but uh, yeah so now he's a, he's a, a published writer Hmm. Now, we don't know why he didn't continue with the series, because obviously the pilot is shot, you know, months before the series is even mm. thought of. Uh, I wonder why he didn't continue. Uh, did they not like his performance? Because, I mean, he is a kind of a key character in the pilot, being yeah. the person who's, you know, being auctioned or winner <laughs> of the auction. Yeah, he doesn't um, do anything either. I mean, it's not like he has any li- I don't think he has lines in this, uh, in this episode. In fact, he's called uh, Red in this episode, like uh, the character uh, in, in the film. The film, uh, McQuay, is, uh, is known as Red. He's nicknamed as Red in the film. And he's actually That's called right. Red in this because when um, the patient starts to, to falter, I think it's in one of the later episodes, you hear Trapper call him Red. Uh, yeah, it's in this one. And so you think, well, that's a bit weird. But he doesn't do anything apart from swap some flies away from his face in the opening shot. Uh, and, of course, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, his double-take look when he, his name is mentioned in the raffle, which, to be fair to him, it's a good look of shock when he, uh, when he does win that one. He has no line. So I, I personally think it was uh, the producers just thought, I don't think he's the right, the right guy for The right fit. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Either that or he had a really great time with uh, Lieutenant Dish. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible thought. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the neat things, um, uh, well, I was just going to talk about the, the extremely uh, famous MASH, you know, title with the, uh, with the asterisks between each of the letters. You know, I was, I was actually in the Army, so uh, take this as fact. It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it was actually just a... Um, a bit of a, a marketing ploy, I think, you know, just to make it stand out. Uh, now there's, you know, m- the name MASH is actually an acronym for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, but uh, there would be periods between the letters, not an asterisk. So even though it's really cool in print and really cool on the screen, it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of replaced the periods with asterisks. Right. Just to make it flashy looking, look a little different. Which is it's really cool. It's an iconic, you know, logo. People oh, know sorry. exactly what it is when they see it. Another cool fact is Hawkeye dances closely with Lieutenant Dish, and he has a wreath of flowers over his shoulder. In the next scene, the wreath is hanging between the two. So obviously there's a continuity thing there <laughs> where uh, the, the wreath kind of moves 
which, you know, which is bound to happen here and there. There's always going to be continuity errors unless you're really, really up on it. Um, even, if, even if you are really up on it, you're still going to have slight variations. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, the one thing I noticed uh, is uh, the winner of the raffle uh, again, Father Mulcahy, which uh, I, I must have an obsession with him. But his name is his father, John P. Uh, but in later episodes, his name is Francis John. So they obviously uh, had a change of heart later on in the series. Yeah, it looked like they swapped him because I think his 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 name was. Uh, let me look. I think it was John Patrick. Yeah, it was John it was, Patrick Francis, and then they changed it to Francis John Francis Patrick. John. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. They kind of flopped it around a little bit. I think Francis sounds more like a father's name. So it does yeah, a it good does, Catholic father's yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see why they did that. And and the, one of the things I thought was kind of funny was that uh, in in the first episode, um, Hawkeye does the whole big thing about collecting money uh, to send Ho John uh, back to the states to go to college, and you know be the best that he can be but we we see ho john in later episodes <laughs> so it's like yeah well he uh, just he just didn't get shipped off yet you yeah. know semesters <laughs> start at a certain time yeah so then, actually you know, what i think he did was he took the money that they collected and he started a dot-com company <laughs> nice nice <laughs> now he's yeah now he's a multi-billionaire somewhere yeah I think nice. he was the inventor of facebook or something <laughs> Another thing that happens in this episode, Hawkeye mentions that Hojan could live with his parents, which would insinuate that his mother is still alive. But we obviously know that Hawkeye, that his mother passed away when he was young and Hawkeye was raised by his father. So that's another little, you know, I wonder where along the lines they decided to change the story, mm. you know, to make Hawkeye more, you know, because he's really, he's a daddy's boy. I mean, he loves his father to death. You know, he idolizes them. And I don't know if they would have that same dynamic if he, his mother was part of his life. Probably so maybe not. So maybe that's why they opted to, you know, to change it. Because obviously here he has both parents. Mm. The interesting thing as well when you say that, the uh, as we mentioned earlier on, the opening episode is a Dear Dad episode. So he's actually writing to his dad in this that's opening true. episode. And then he says, well, he could live with my parents. Now, I suppose we could easily turn it around and say that, you know, maybe he, he always says his parents' house because that's where his parents lived yeah. when he was born. I mean, we can easily say that, I guess, if we look at it. But, yeah, interesting. That, yeah, that's that's possible too. Um, we mentioned earlier on about Timothy Brown and G. Wood being uh, in the film version of Mass. Well, of course, the other famous one, probably the famous one, is uh, Gary Berghoff, who played Radar. Uh, Gary has a deformed left hand, uh, and he does try to hide his hand often in virtually all the scenes in Mass. However, in, uh, in this one, you can actually see it partly at the end when he's holding a bedpan. If you look closely throughout the series of Mash with uh, Gary in them, he's always holding his folder over his left hand, or he's holding books, or he's holding paperwork or when he's yeah. on the typewriter, you never see his left hand. You you do have to look out for it. It is crazy. I honestly did not know that until probably a few years ago that he oh, really had. Yeah. yeah, I never I never I never noticed it. You know, like you said, he does a really good job at hiding it. But when yeah. you do know you do spot it here and there. Yeah, because you mm-hmm. end up looking. It's a bit like Harold Lloyd. I mean, uh, you know, people forget that Harold Lloyd lost uh, a couple of fingers and part of his thumb. I think on yeah. his left, left hand or right hand. And and but it, it's done so well, you never notice it because he's wearing a glove with false fingers in. Uh, and uh, it's one of those, you know, either good camera angles or very yeah. well done by the actor to hide it. 
Another interesting fact that I found out about the series as a whole is that the creator, Larry Gilbart, wanted MASH broadcast without a laugh track. You know, this is always one thing that bugged me about the series, is mm, the laugh yeah, track. Yeah. Uh, but CBS rejected the idea. By the second season, a compromise was reached, and the producers were allowed to omit the laugh track during operating room scenes, if they wished, which obviously they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want something funny. You know, unless, I guess, a joke was being said during the mm. operating scene, you know. Um, but the first five seasons of the series contain the rather evasive laugh track, but by season six, a newer, slightly quieter laughs were recorded and employed. But this also found this very interesting. In the UK, the laugh track was removed entirely from all the episodes. Hmm. Also, on the DVDs, there's an option where you can turn off the laugh track so you don't have to listen to it. Which I, is what I didn't we know all that. Do don't we? I, I didn't know that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that in the uh, in, in, when we were watching the UK, there was no laughter track, and then when I saw it on cable, it had the laughter track, and I was thinking, "What the yeah. hell is this? This, yeah. this? this is not the Cosby Show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't get Bill Cosby popping up in OR. You know, do the silly face for a laugh. What? Get it off? Yeah, it always <laughs> drove me crazy every time they would do it, and I'm like, "Oh, please!" You know, there are episodes during the first five seasons that they didn't have the laugh track. On the more serious ones, but the majority of them had that horrible laugh track. It was just yeah. horrible. I am not a fan of the laugh track, especially the laugh tracks that that they use over and over. And they have, a, you know, they have sometimes they'll have a unique uh, laugh that stands out, and you can yes. just you can hear it throughout the whole episode. And it's like, oh, that's just horrible. Yeah. Great, great, yeah. yeah, yeah. Another interesting thing about the TV series is that it was sort of an afterthought. Um, the the TV series was created after an attempt to film the original book's sequel, MASH Goes to Maine, failed. Um, they, for whatever reason, just could not get that film started. So they decided, hey, let's uh, let's start a series. Yeah, yeah, I think it was much better suited for a series. I think have so, they, too. Have any of you guys read the books? I have not. I know there's three sequels to mm-hmm. MASH. Yeah. Yeah, I've got them. Uh, oh, do you really? <laughs> uh, and I've got Mash Goes to Maine, and uh, I think there's actually. I think he wrote, he wrote three. I think there's actually five books in total. You've got Mash Goes to Paris really? and Mash Goes to England, and yeah. And um, oh, I didn't I've know got, that. I've got Mash Goes to. I've got Mash Goes to Maine. I think I've actually got Mash Goes to Paris as well. And yeah, ooh, I've actually got the first one as well, the original one, the story of three doctors. Um, uh-huh. That's that's really good. And I think it's really good because you can pick out scenes from the book that you see in the TV series and the film. But mm-hmm. on Mash Goes to Maine, it's, ooh, it's uh, you know, it's all right. But I can't, I honestly can't see how they could have filmed it as a, as a, a decent follow-up to the, to the original yeah. film. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not at the war. It's like after Mash. Mm. <laughs> you know that that TV series, which I know we'll, we'll probably talk about it at one point, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, I've only I've only ever seen um, little clip it, uh, clips of it on. Oh, okay, YouTube, so you so haven't I even seen? I, no, I can't. Okay. I can't say that. Uh, okay, well, most people no. diss it, and I agree. It's not Mash. Mm. You know, it's their attempt to bring it back to the states. It's probably what this movie was could have been. Yeah, that type of thing. Um, you do, know, do which, you it, think? Do you think that, uh, I mean, well, MASH is 40 years old now, isn't it? Well, nearly 40 years old, 39 years old. Uh, yeah. So this is set in 1950. Um, so you could easily, if you wanted to, I mean, I, I, I don't think it probably worked, but we all kind of like, like to see them all together. I know that we've seen them in reunion shows that like on the DVD. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, of course, there are a couple of who died. Well, well Henry Blake couldn't be anyway. Um, but it would be really good to, to have them uh, in, like, you could have it in 1990. 
as old they are now. You know, just do a one-off episode of them having a reunion or something like that as their characters, but set in 1990, which would be 40 years on from 1950. That you would know, be it's cool. Those, it's one of those fanboy hopes, isn't it? But you know that actually, <laughs> it, probably, it would probably be rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we're just going to be stuck with the reunion show, which was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, it, it was, was yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah. We love hearing from our listeners. If you want to send us an email or a voice message, as in an MP3, you can send it to mash4077podcast at gmail.com. It's mash4077podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're in, uh, inclined to stalk us, follow us, sneak around in our swamp, you can follow us on Twitter. Yes, we have a Twitter account. And uh, come and follow us. We're at mash4077podcast. And check us out on the web at mash4077.podbean.com. Very cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for our inaugural MASH 4077 podcast. You've been listening to Kenny Mitleider, Simon Meddings, and Al Kessel. We'll be seeing ya. Okay, hands up who had a gin when we've recorded this. Come on, who's who's in the swamp properly? <laughs> Is it over me? <laughs> you call that gin, though? I don't even know if I'd call that gin. <laughs> no, it's like, guys, probably moonshine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's probably worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, where's he going? We're all set. Forget it. He was too impressed to have you arrested. He did it again. Screwed up in reverse. I keep telling you, we gotta give up this preoccupation with keeping people alive or we'll never get out of here. It's no use. We're doomed. Maybe we should start using rusty instruments. Stop washing our hands. Raise our prices. Hey. Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Jenny. We're the host of Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the award-winning web series, The Guild. We're not like your typical fan podcasts. Both Jenny and I have worked on several seasons of The Guild and take our listeners behind the scenes to share our fun and crazy times on set. We also have exclusive interviews with cast, crew, and fans of the Guild. We keep you up to date on General Guild news and the latest happenings of our cast and crew. So please give us a listen on iTunes or at knightsoftheguild.com. Hello there, my name is Meds. And this is David Frost. You're not David Frost. Uh, all right, I mean, this is Mark. And we are the... Pres- Mark... Alright, get on with it! Okay, and we're the presenters of Waffle on Podcast, and we like to talk about... Crap. TV broadcast between 1960 to 1999. Would you say it's crap? Some of it. Really? <laughs> Especially the British stuff. But we've already had a podcast about that, so let's move up on that. Unbelievable. You can find us at the HTTP colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Do not smile when I say the word colon. Oh, I'm not! <laughs> Hi, I'm Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the place so much, we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news and updates on the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known and often overlooked gems we call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as offer up some tips and tricks that we've uncovered over the years that can help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation. Check out Tales from the Mouse House. In iTunes.